Hello, readers! My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is Bookin', brought to you by our new presenting sponsor, the North Carolina Book Festival. One of North Carolina's many amazing premier literary events. Happy to host North Carolina's many amazing authors, along with national and international bestsellers, prize winners, independent authors, and My guest today is Zachary Pace. Zachary is a writer and editor whose writing has been published in Baffler, Bomb, Book Forum, Boston Review, and many other publications that do not begin with B. Their new book is I Sing to Use the Waiting, a collection of essays about the women singers who've made me who I am, which is published by our friends at $2 Radio. Zachary, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's great to great to be here. It's an honor to have you here, Zachary. And first, before we dive into this collection, uh, what has it been like working with Two Dollar Radio on the publication of this book, and how did you find your way to them? It has been uh, better than I could have ever imagined, and even better than I had hoped. I uh, they were. Absolutely my first choice, uh, my first hope mm-hmm. in finding a home for the book. In fact, I started writing these essays because I was inspired by Hanif Abdurraqib's They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us, mm-hmm. which is published by $2 Radio. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a long story that I can make short by saying I uh, I ultimately submitted it to them myself through submittable and online. They're they they had open submissions. And um about 13 months later, I heard back from them, uh, from Eric Obanoff, the mm-hmm. um one of the, you know, two Eric and Eliza. Open off are the uh, two of the three people behind Two Dollar Radio mm-hmm. with Brett Gregory, who's an amazing publicist and you know advocate and supporter. And Eric wrote to me and 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 said that he was liking it and asked if it was still available. And this was um, after about two years of having submitted it around through an agent who hadn't submitted it to $2, even though that was, you know, the first place that I had wanted to, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And so that let me, you know, do it myself. And it was, um, it was a shock. And uh, it has been greatly reassuring that, you know, the fact that the the publisher of the book that made me want to do this is now uh, publishing this book and then working with them was uh, I failed to mention one more person, Sam Rizak, who is um, uh, their their freelance copy editor and and so from copy from from notes editorial notes from Eric to copy editing from Sam and then editorial notes from Eliza. Um, we we they read and and thought through this book with me many times 
and gave me so many opportunities to fine tune and tighten and make it uh, what it was meant to be. And I, the, the version that Eric read and accepted uh, changed so dramatically to what it is now. I mean, even the galley version that you may have read is, is they they sent me notes on that and, and said, you know, they kept reading it. They kept thinking through it with me. And uh, we got it to a place that I had never, never expected or imagined. Um, and it was, it was thanks to the, having those three, three brains um, working with me. And I, I could, it's just, it's, it, it was, it's amazing how much they, they, how much heart and mind and soul they put into every, every aspect of, of the process. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that answer, Zachary. They are an amazing publisher, and we featured many of their books here on Bookend. Um, now on to this excellent collection, I Sing to Use, The Waiting. We're going to cover the first uh, three or four essays over the course of this interview and one of the, the latter ones, too. But first, um, in the author's note at the beginning of this book, you write that, uh, quote, in quoted material, whenever possible and appropriate, the masculine pronoun has been recast in brackets with gender neutral pronouns, end quote. Uh, first, Zachary, can you give us an example or two of when this happened and then maybe tell us why you made the decision to do this? Absolutely. Um, so the author's note was actually Eric Obanoff's idea. Oh, uh, the note had originally been a, a footnote mm -hmm. in um, the essay about Cher and her roles in the movies Mask and Mermaids, because in that essay, I uh, quote from both Sigmund Freud and Jacques Lacan, and they, the two of them, always write their examples through masculine pronouns. Um, and they write, you know, if they're writing about a child, they're writing about a male child and they're they're calling him he and i wanted to just open it up to to you know every, anyone who came to to read this material and who wouldn't feel as though you know the the, the prime example is is a male character and and a male child is you know the prototype for all people i i i there was nothing in the information that was specific to the male gender so i wanted to open it up by changing either he to um they or them and theirs or even just substituting the child or or for the even for the feminine pronoun for for and I'm realizing now I didn't address this in the note but I think uh, once or twice even for a she or a her I I put in the mother because in in you know in Freud and and Lacan we're talking if we're talking about her we're talking about mom mm. and if we're talking about him we're talking about the child and so I I thought why not both broaden this for anyone who comes to it, but also to, you know, say who we're talking about here um, with that, you know, in terms of mom and, and child. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Zachary. Um, on to the first essay in this collection titled Daddy Was a Musician. Uh, you say that your father wasn't much of a musician and that he moonlighted as an audio engineer. But then you go on to say that he picked up many gigs, most notably for the Rolling Stones on the Steel Wheels tour. Uh, this seems like more than moonlighting to me. Um, can you tell us about your father's interactions with the music industry and whether these had any influence on you and your personal love for music? Absolutely. Uh, well, I guess it was never, those jobs were never his main uh, thing. And he he didn't really have a main thing. He, uh, for much of my childhood, he, he, he worked as um, an optician, mm -hmm. um, fitting people for glasses, even at Walmart in the optometry center. Um, but for a while he was a telemarketer and he was very adrift. He's still with us. I don't, uh, we don't speak at the moment. In fact, today is his birthday. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, 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 I'm, I feel some guilt and shame about speaking about him in this way, but mm. if I could praise him by saying um, he, he loved to work in music production and he picked up these jobs almost as like a, it, we didn't call it freelancing, but it, it was sort of a freelancing basis. He would somehow get connected to a big gig and then you know, work on the production. The Steel Wheels thing, that was 1990, wasn't it? I think I was too young to really understand what he was doing then, except he, he like, worked on the Ruby uh, the, uh, during the Steel Wheels tour. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fact check this real quick. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, I believe during that tour that there was this big blow up doll in that called Ruby mm -hmm. and and he worked on 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 blowing up that that doll and and, and you know like securing it in place. Mm -hmm. Um and then on the weekends on the weekends when I was little he worked with a country band a local country band and he did the sound engineering for them and they would play at bars um on Friday Saturday nights and sometimes on weekend days where he was, you know, my caregiver and I'd go with him and, you know, I'd be sitting in that smoky bar listening to this country music. And um, he he loved it. And I, I believe that's what he does now um, full time. So I think he did end up making his passion into his profession. Mm -hmm. Um. But there was, you know, I, I speak to this in the essay, There's there was always something a little sort of amateurish about what he was doing. Like he, which is, and and I believe that, you know, the, the amateur is, is, the, is the preferred way to be versus the expert, because when you're the amateur, you sort of get to love, well, Roland Barthes, in in the in this essay in this first essay that we're talking about, um, Roland Bart defines the amateur as someone who loves again and again, who loves what they do over and over again, never uh, masters it necessarily, but always 
um, approaches it with sort of a a, a lover's uh, passion uh, to try and get to know it without ever mastering it. Um, so what was my point except, and you know, that's something that I love so, so, so much about Sean Marshall. Mm -hmm. Sean Marshall is a, d does not uh, necessarily know guitar chords. She says this all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, she doesn't know piano chords. She, she knows the placement of her fingers. And sh she's been doing this for uh, 20, 30 years and doesn't, still doesn't want to learn chords because she can come to it with that original joy and passion uh, every time. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I believe, you know, my father was doing by sort of keeping this as a hobby or a supplemental income. Um, and I, you know, seeing as a child, I, 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 I sort of saw that as, as a, as a failure to have, made a passion into a profession because, you know, as a kid, before I started thinking critically about, you know, the system we live in, I, you know, I thought that you, the, the, the only way to, uh, to, to, to accomplish adulthood was to, is to make your passion into your profession. And if you haven't done that, then you failed in some way. And so, uh, but now I can, I, I sort of, I see his, um, his amateurishness as being a, uh, a, a, you know, the right way to be. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for that answer, uh, Zachary. Probably beneficial to the Rolling Stones to have an optometrist on their crew somewhere, I would imagine. Um, well, you know, even the optician thing was totally amateurish. I don't think he studied for it. He fell into it and just, um, you know, uh, so, so he, he, there was no, there was no ocular expertise on yeah, that right. Steel Wheels tour. He was still just, I mean, I think he was probably my age now, which is wild to think about. Um, you know, he was just, he was a kid. I mean, I feel like a child. He, so he was just a child, you know, on, on tour with the Rolling Stones in some capacity. And, you know, that, that was um that was cool to me of course we had lots of we had some random um tour memorabilia around the house when I was a kid and um I always felt like you know there was sort of a special connection to the the music world in our house the the, or the music industry in our house mm -hmm. uh, more so than you know most people in my very small rural town yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, you quote film professor Richard Dyer as saying that, quote, your ideas about who you are don't just come from inside you. They come from the culture, end quote. Uh, can you tell us more about this quote in general and then specifically how it pertains to you? Um, yes. So the that quote comes from a documentary called Do I Sound Gay, which was a pivotal uh, resource in my researching for that essay in particular and the what became the, pro the 
project of writing the book. Um, when I had written this essay that we're talking about, which is the first essay in the book, uh, I hadn't, I wasn't writing a book yet. I was just, I was a, a poet who turned into, to turn to writing essays in order to, to um, try and find a way to reach more people and to talk about things that I really cared about and couldn't get into writing poems somehow. And uh, when I, the you know, this first essay is as much about my father and my relationship as it is about my love for Sean Marshall, uh, who performs and records his cat power, uh, as much as it's about my own voice, which is, um, uh, in my head, you know, pretty neutral, uh, you know, almost androgynous, slight, you know, maybe slightly masculine, because I'm hearing these bass notes, we all hear these bass notes in our head that are not projected into the, into the, what's called the air conducted sound that, you know, you hear in a recording of your own voice. And I, I hate, I, I, I don't hate my voice. I'm trying, I'm trying so much to to accept the sound of my voice, but I don't like it. I, 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 I cringe when I hear it. And um, this documentary, Do I Sound Gay by David Thorpe, um, provided two essential quotes um, from, the, from, from two different um, interviewees about, uh, you know, that sort of led me to discover where this voice came from, how it, how, how it um, evolved into, you know, what it was before I had any sense of control over it, before I could decide what I, you know, and none of us really do ever get to decide what our voice sounds like, because it, it's, it's developing before we're before we're really aware that um, of all the societal uh, pressures to modulate it and to conform to to um, gender presentation and all of this. So, um, and I guess that's getting at what you asked, which is, you know, what, uh, so, um, you know, your ideas about who you are don't come from inside you, they come from the culture. I learned from this documentary that, um, big influence on a person's personality, including their voice, their their mannerisms, um, comes from wanting to emulate, you know, people who they see or, and not just parents and siblings and 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 relatives, but you know, people on TV. And and it was so uh, it you know was so clear to me, and when I encounter, yeah. So, so I'm speaking now to a um a quote from um uh Ben. You, you, you this is this is definitely the essay in the book. It's it's yes. it's it's a collage. It's a chorus of 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 people, thinkers, writers, makers, creators who are all speaking together and and harmonizing with each other. And so from, from the, uh, from the documentary, The Celluloid Closet, which is about, um, 
the you know queer characters in film and the evolution of 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 queer characters from sort of the villain to the victimized um and 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 then a documentary the celluloid closet was made based on the book and and then further to that do i sound gay is, is david thorpe's documentary and he quotes um uh for, from two people who 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 speak to these similar ideas about how children take from uh the 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 te television the radio the internet now mm -hmm. um and and they they couple together a, a a personality and and i started to identify all of the films and tv shows and personalities who I, I, you know, I still to this day can recognize certain mannerisms from movies, especially that I watched as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And we oftentimes take this kind of collage of influences uh, and make them into a personality for ourselves. Thank you so much, Zachary. Listeners, we're going to take a break here for a word from Libro FM Audiobooks, and then I will be right back with Zachary Pace. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Zachary Pace, author of I Seem to Use the Waiting, which is published by our friends at $2 Radio. Uh, Zachary, the next essay in your collection here is about uh, Madonna and her kind of Kabbalah era and how they inspired your tattoos. But my question for you is, what is your opinion on the state of Madonna in 2024? Um, I would have had a completely different answer two or three weeks ago because I was feeling I, some embarrassed distance from my Madonna fandom for a long time. Mm. Um, I hadn't listened to um, any of the records that came after Confessions on a Dance Floor. Starting with Hard Candy, I thought it was just, it was losing its edge. And then I... Um, very spontaneously went to see her at the Barclays Center, uh, the celebration tour a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was awesome. It was awesome. She was so powerful. Um, she was singing, you know, I could, you could tell she was actually singing live, which was, uh, I didn't ex for some reason expect that to be the case. Um, you know, I had a, this 
seat that was sort of like over the backstage area and you could see her running around doing costume changes and trying to get from one place to another in this huge set. And it was, it was just incredible. You know, she's still um, working her ass off. Can I curse? Yes, you um, <laughs> she's still working her ass off and she's, um, she she she's awesome she she's she's uh i you know still like can't really get into the music after that album confessions on a dance floor but still there are tracks on that album that would do it for me you know i could listen to um uh get together or come to is it come together get together from confessions on dance floor um get together that song will that'll put me in a good mood that'll make me ready to go go face the day mm -hmm. um and you know still on long drives with friends we'll put on ray of light we'll put on bedtime stories um during the early early days of the covid lockdown i got in re i got into the album music all over again and remembered how good that is so Yeah, everything up to a certain point still still does it for me, but not a lot after a certain point does. But you know, in terms, but but the the concert was awesome. She she rocked. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Zachary. Um, on to Sonic Youth. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have caught Sonic Youth in concert twice, uh, once opening for Pearl Jam and once at the Fillmore in San Francisco on their tour for the album The Eternal, which you write about. Whoa, 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 cool. Yes. Very um, cool. You didn't get into them until they had already broken up. Uh, my question is, what is it like to get into a band after they have broken up? Is this a positive or a negative? It's bittersweet for sure, because I, I've seen um, Kim and Kim Gordon and Lee Ronaldo perform on their own. Um, but I've never seen the, the four of them play together. And I even remember... Uh, having an opportunity, one opportunity in my life, they were performing at BAM with the Merce Cunningham dance company. And it, I think it was one of their final performances together. And I, I, I didn't go for some reason. And um, I think I remember, you know, thinking, oh, I'll have another opportunity. And, and, and I, and I didn't. And um, the, you know, the kinetic energy with the, the four of them, uh, Kim Gordon, Thurston Moore, Lee Ronaldo, Steve Shelley. I mean, that, that kind of like alchemy would be just mind blowing to see us. And especially now knowing that, you know, we, we can't and, 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 and but, but the songs are still so, so intense and powerful. I think, if if there was ever the opportunity for them to play together again, I think it would be, you know, the most intense, powerful, cathartic thing. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot in that that uh impossibility that that um makes the the rec the recordings even more special because that that 
kinetic energy, you know, exists there and only there for, for, for you know, as long as we, we know. So, um, and it happened and, 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 and it happens every time you put, put the record on or, you know, there are amazing live performances on, on YouTube. Um, but those actually can be a little painful for me to watch because they look, it just looks like it, it would be a lot, a lot of fun to be there in person. And I, I wish I could, but, you know, Kim is, is kicking ass still. She's making amazing, amazing, amazing music and performing, um, you know, better than ever. And uh, I, you know, there's opportunities to see all of them performing their own work now. And uh, that is, you know, that's that we're, we're so lucky to, to have that. Yeah, the only one of them I've seen post Sonic Youth is, is Thurston Moore, and it was at this like pre-music festival cocktail party, and he was just standing on the stage uh, creating feedback for two hours and like hanging out with uh, uh, young 25-year-old women, and it to yeah. me it just felt like he had kind of lost his way at that moment of time, and um, yeah, you know, I I've I've never I've never really liked his solo stuff mm -hmm. i don't oh, uh i can't, like kim's has still has this edge and this bite and this um you know she's really exploring lots of different ways to make her sound mm -hmm. um and i i really liked what they did they they did together a lot i thought that you know, I I love certain Thurston led Sonic Youth songs. Unmade Bed from Sonic Nurse is one of my favorite Sonic Youth songs. Mm -hmm. Um, but for some reason I've just not I've not been able to really love anything he's done on his own. Yeah, for sure. We can agree on that. <laughs> um well, I now want to ask you about Sean Marshall, who you've spoken about uh, before the break here a couple of times. Cat Power, uh, as most of us know her, um, because you write about her so often in this book, including in the first essay. Um, and this is a very nuanced question about her catalog. You write that the album The Greatest was a turning point for her. Um, and my question is, uh, is it a turning point or a peak? I believe it was the peak of her career myself so far. At least she has a long career ahead of her still. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, talk about the greatest and how that falls into her catalog in her career. Um, the greatest as a turning point, I would say, in her life as a performer, because mm -hmm. she became much more comfortable mm -hmm. performing during that era. And now to see her perform is you know a a clear evident apparent evolution from that time period um and the album is you know i guess it's 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 very it's so much more upbeat than anything that came before it um mm -hmm. both in tempo and in you know uh and 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 temperament mm. um 
and but uh, but as a I'm, I'm and so I'm trying to think about it as a a peak and I just I just can't because it sounds so still to me it sounds so um thinking about what came after it mm -hmm. those records start to sound sound in comparison to the greatest to me um more uh, I, I'm trying to think of of a good way to describe they sound more solid in they this sound more record. Motown to me kind of more you know like influenced by the Stax records and the Motown stuff and all of that well and you know it was recorded at Ardent Studios in Memphis mm -hmm. Tennessee where I actually went on a kind of pilgrimage um mm -hmm. I went into Ardent Studios and like walked around and sort of pictured her smoking cigarettes and you know in the courtyard and I could see how the space uh, plays into the record because mm -hmm. it's um, as a lot of the the work that she made before that could be called sort of more lo-fi. Yeah. It, it was less um, pro pro sound produced sounding. The "You Are Free," which came right before, is it, that's like that's such an awesome record. That may be. If I had to say, if I had to say, I would say You Are Free is my favorite just because the range is so incredible. Mm -hmm. I think her voice sounds the greatest on Jukebox. That's my favorite record in terms of the the, the grain of her voice. But in terms of her, uh, the range of her, her songwriting skills, I would say You Are Free is my favorite. And then I'm thinking about Sun, which came after, you know, uh, the greatest. Then there's Jukebox, which is my favorite, you know, sound of her voice. And then there's um, Sun, which was more electronic. Uh, there's a lot more electronic sounds in that. It was, a, and, and the, the drums, she plays the drums. I think she's a great drummer. We don't talk about that enough, but she plays the drums on, on Sun. And um, I just love when she plays the drums. She sounds great on them. Uh, so that was very, you know, drum and bass driven. And then um, Wanderer comes after that. And um, Wanderer sounds a little bit more like You Are Free. And then we have Covers, uh, which was the third Covers record, or fourth, really, because there, there's an EP in there called Dark Into the... Now I'm just listing her... <laughs> discography but basically I'm, yeah. I, I'm I'm I just see I just see her building and building and building and this this latest record her first live record Cap Power Sings Dylan um is uh I I I haven't really listened to anything else to be honest since mm -hmm. November it's just mm -hmm. it's um her voice sounds great the band sounds great it's a strong rich um just solid sound Mm -hmm. um, I think she's going, you know, peaking and peaking all the time. Yeah. And I think that now that I see your perspective, um, you know, I'm thinking of the greatest more as like maybe peak studio uh, Sean Marshall, whereas as a live performer, yes, I saw her on the greatest tour maybe four or five times, I think. And, um, you know, yes, before that, if you were going to go see a cat power show, 
you were likely going to see some sort of meltdown on stage, um, you know, some sort of anxiety playing out uh, from her perspective. Whereas, yes, after that, she seemed to become much more comfortable with herself, with the crowds. There was this friendly comedic stage banter with her friends at all of the shows. And like you said, on to the present day where she's releasing, you know, live Bob Dylan from uh, majestic concert halls and such. There was definitely a huge turn there. Yeah. Um, well, very good. Uh, finally, Zachary, uh, moving on from Sean, I do want to ask you and uh, about this band Hop Along and skip towards the end of your collection here. Um, I personally believe that Hop Along is one of the greatest rock and roll bands of the past 10 years. Um, please support my argument, Zachary, and tell us what Hop Along has meant to you. Oh, my goodness. I'm I, I love to hear you say that. Um, Hop Along felt like a a secret uh, to me for such a a, a, a secret um, like a secret religion or something for such a long time when um, I was at so you know the first time I saw Sean Marshall on stage was at Purchase College where I went to undergrad mm -hmm. um, the live music there while I was there and and uh, long before and maybe still now was just incredible. I mean, uh, so many oppor weekly opportunities to see live music for free. Um, and Hop Along, Queen Anne's Lace at the time, Francis Quinlan's uh, uh, first solo project or sort of collaborative project, lots of different people playing at different times but mainly solo, Francis Quinlan on guitar um, as Hopalong Queen Anne's Lace would come to purchase and uh, play a, a few times. But even before that, you know, just there was a lot of music file sharing at purchase at that time that was really easy to um, to download music from from the the campus-wide, you know, Ethernet service. So one way or another, we came across Hopalong Queen Anne's Lace on MySpace, actually, it was, I, uh, where we would listen to those first songs. You could only access them on, on Francis's MySpace. And lyric, the lyric writing uh, was what got me at first, uh, and this very lo-fi sound, almost like you could do it yourself if you if you had a guitar um, and... You, it, it was a, it felt do it yourself in, in, in a way that uh, was appealing to me because, you know, I, I think I've always wanted to be a female singer. And at the time, Francis was a, a female identified person. Now, Francis um, is, uses gender neutral pronouns, identifies as non-binary, which is part of the story that I tell in the essay because I do as well. And we did start, we started to, to do this around the same time. And it was, it was really profound thing for me to reconceive of a, of a musician at the same time I was re reconceiving of myself and, and a musician who I've loved through, uh, uh, through, you know, influential years in my life from college to, to adult, you know, early adulthood. And 
Anyway, to get back to what you were saying, the difference between Hopalong Queen Anne's Lace and Hopalong as Francis and the band record now is um, the the drums and guitars. Um, you're saying Hopalong is 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 the best rock band of the past ten years, and the guitars and drums, not to mention Francis's voice, which is. Um, and it's it just this animalistic, uh, um, I say dulcet and strident in the essay. And, and it can be so, so dulcet, so uh, so crystal clear and, and beautiful and whole and round. And then it can be strident, you know, jagged, um, uh, raspy, growling, uh Francis can 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 um cover this huge emotional range in this um extremely loud and intense and powerful voice I keep using these three adjectives over and over again but they're I guess they're really important to me but mm -hmm. uh so basically every time I keep Coming back to your question, I, I all I can think of is Tibetan pop stars, um, a song from Hopalong's first record as Hopalong, and and I, even in the essay, I I try and describe the sound, the intensity of the guitars and drums, and I end up saying, just go listen to the first sixteen seconds of Tibetan pop stars, and you'll you'll hear what I'm talking about. That to me is the best rock and roll sound of 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 you know of since maybe sonic youth like it it's just it's um it it's so cathartic it's so it's so awesome yeah and the thing about her voice like you said i mean it can get so uh kind of whispery uh sweet and then it you know it gets to almost you know janice joplin-esque levels of just abrasiveness um, and the guitar interplay is probably the strongest in modern rock and roll since the strokes, I would say, is just as far as composed back and forth uh, guitar playing from from two guitar players. And then the rhythm section is very locked in. I think a band that has gotten more press in the last year than Hopalong um, has gotten to date probably is Wednesday. Um, and Wednesday's album is, uh, their, their voices, the singer's voices are very similar. Um, but Wednesday probably gravitates more towards the sonic youth, um, sound, I think, whereas Hop Along is more kind of early 2000s rhythmic rock and roll, but um, check both of those bands yeah, out. Yeah, for sure. yeah, for sure. For sure. Both fantastic. Well, um, Zachary, thank you so much for writing this wonderful collection of essays. I cannot wait to get it into the hands of our customers here at Explore Booksellers in Aspen. Thanks. Listeners, yeah, Amen. thank you. Listeners, I've been speaking with Zachary Pace, author of I Sing to Use the Waiting, a collection of essays about the women singers who have made me who I am, which is published by our friends at $2 Radio. Zachary. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Take care. All right, Zach, we will uh, cut the recording off there.
um officially so yeah thank you so much for doing this that's awesome i love that i have somebody i can talk to hop along about because i feel like they've kind of flown under the radar for some reason but yeah 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 for sure i mean that i'm so glad you know them and uh i i think we'll we'll see more from hop along yeah eventually i hope so i keep waiting for for a new album for sure yeah so. yeah yeah Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, I will let um you and Eric and Eliza know as soon as this podcast has gone live. Uh, cool. And once again, yeah, just thank you for so much for the time. When I see books like this, you know, um, I do one of these interviews a week, sometimes too. So my whole reading schedule is based on uh, who I can speak with. So when there's a book I really want to read, um, I just can't express my appreciation enough that you have allowed me the time to read it. Wow, 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 wow. Well, I mean, I can't express my appreciation of that you read it, allowed me time to speak about it, that you thought about it with me. It 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 it's it means more than I'll ever be able to say. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much and congratulations. And Thank uh, you very I look much. forward to getting this out into the world. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stay in touch. Will Talk do. to you. Yeah, soon. absolutely. All right. Well, see you. Take care. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Once again, I would like to thank Zachary Pace for joining me. Copies of I Sing to Use the Waiting can be purchased from www.explorebooksellers.com with free shipping for members of Explore More Plus. I would also like to thank our friends at Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Booking. Once again, I would like to thank Zachary Pace for joining me. Copies of I Sing to Use the Waiting can be purchased online from your favorite independent bookstore. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Booking.